are listening to New Life The Fort. We pray that this message encourages you and helps you stay Jesus-focused. Well, let's get into the Word. How many of you were here last week? Katie spoke last week, right? Well, she was talking about our story. Okay, She kind of continued from Resurrection Sunday about our story. And, you know, our stories are very important because the world needs to see what God has done. You know, and as people see what God has done, they read you. I mean, have you ever looked at a person and you look at them and you begin to create a story about them? Yes? In theater, we used to do that. We would just go into the mall, we would sit down, and we would begin to do character studies. We'd look at somebody and begin to create this elaborate story about them. We, have not, we, have, we don't even know anything about them, but just by looking at them, how they move, how they act, how they speak, we begin to read them and begin to tell the story. People are watching you all the time. What do you mean? I'm not saying you have hidden cameras, CCTVs in your room. What I'm simply saying is wherever you go, there is somebody who will watch you, especially if you say you're a believer. Because now that you say you're a believer, they will put you on a pedestal and, see, and go, okay, let's see. Let's see what it means to be a Christian. Let's see what it means to be a believer. They don't want you to fail because they want to know that, that what you believe is actually real. You know, and sometimes we do miss it. But praise God, his grace is available for us. And as our stories are read by the people around us, we realize that it's not about us anymore. It's his story that's being read in our life. Our beginning is him. Our end is him. And everything in between is him. And so what I want to talk to you today about is about being in the know. Okay? What does that mean? Being in the know simply means this. That there are specific ins- uh, instructions, information that only you know about or a very select group of people know about. Okay? Have you ever been in a room where you know there's a group of people talking, but you can't hear what they're saying, but you want to know what's going on? Because you see all the actions, and people are like, what's going on? And then you ask, what happened? And they go, oh, never mind, never mind. It's either that or you want to know what happened, and they'll tell you. Now you are in the know because you know what they're talking about, all the whispering, everything. I mean, a lot of times being in the know also can mean gossip. Come on. I mean, we like to know what's going on. Facebook already tells the entire world what's going on. Okay? But we want to know firsthand details. And a lot of times, gossip has nothing to do with firsthand details. It has a lot to do with what you think about what happened. And then you share that information, and that information gets passed on. Now, God doesn't want us to gossip. But he does want us to be in the know because he's never hidden anything from us. He wants us to know things more. He wants us to know what he's thinking more than we want to know what he's thinking. You know, as I was sitting there and we, I mean, as I was standing there and we were worshiping, I got a picture in my head of Jesus and the father having a conversation, you know, whispering to one another, talking and, you're, and you're just kind of, I was just kind of standing there on the side, and I was like, what are they talking about? And Jesus turns to me and goes, I'm talking about you. And I'm like, what are you saying about me? 
Okay, you know, you have these conversations in your head. You're not crazy, but God's just showing you a picture of what's going on. But Jesus goes, oh, the Father and I are sharing our plans and our purposes about you. That in the next couple of days, this is what's going to happen. Really? He goes, yeah, do you want to know? Yeah. I mean, if you could know what was going to happen the next couple of days, wouldn't you want to know? I mean, if people knew the lottery numbers, the lotto numbers, I'm telling you, every single one of you would be lined up in front of the lottery. And we'd all have the same number because the same person told us. Okay? But what I'm saying is God and Jesus, are the Father and the Son, are always having this conversation about you. Specifically about you. And he goes, guess what? Father, guess what? This is what's going to happen. This person is going to receive their complete healing because they received from me today. We were, receiving, we were talking about receiving his love. His love encompasses all that he is and all that he has. So when we're, when we're talking about, uh, when, when we want to know what God is thinking about us, he'll tell us. You just need to ask. He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. Because maybe at this point, you're not ready to hear it. Because you have a choice. Like when I was asking Jesus, what, do you, what are you saying? And he goes, I'm talking about you. I could have stopped there and said, okay, and walked away. But praise God, we're more curious than that. We want to know. So what does this mean? What, do you, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, you know the plans that I have for you? In the next couple of days, there will be gifts and surprises ready for you. Really? Yeah. I said, okay, so, so then what the next question will be, well, well, what do I have to do? And he'll just say, live life. Just live it. Okay. All right. Uh, Jesus, do you know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? Of course. I wrote your story. I know what's going to happen. Do you want to know? And, the, and you can hear the father chuckling. I have a very vivid imagination. Okay. I can hear God laughing. I actually, I always had this picture of me being a small child, being able to crawl up on the father's lap and just be loved by him. Ever since I was small, it's still the same picture I have. No matter how old I become, I get up on his lap and I crawl up there and I just kind of lean and he just hugs me. Even if I've been naughty. I'm not talking about now, but when I was younger. Okay. But I've always had that picture. And God has never withheld anything from me. It's not his nature to withhold. It's his nature to give and to pour out abundantly. That's how he works. And this is all introduction. Praise God. So God wants us to be in the know. Okay? When God speaks, he wants to be heard. He's not speaking for the sake of speaking. He's speaking because he wants you to hear what he's saying so that when you hear it, you believe it. And if you believe it, you'll receive it. And if you receive it, you will walk in it. That's what's going to happen. When he reveals a secret to you, he does it purposefully. Because he wants you to say, that's mine. I'm going to walk in that. I mean, he can, he can, he, one of the secrets that he could reveal to you is simply this. The tuition for your kids is paid for. Of course, the next thing would be like, where's it going to come from? He goes, don't worry about it. I'm taking care of it for you. 
Our part is now just to believe it and then walk in it. See the manifestation of it. Okay? God has given us the ability to be able to receive the secrets and the plans and the purposes of his heart. That's what he wants for us. Okay? If we look at Mark 4.11, this is talking about the parable of the sower. Jesus says, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now, what happened before this? Why did Jesus say to you it's been given to know? Because the disciples asked him a question. They asked him, what does the parable mean? They wanted to know. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you. That's basically what he's saying. And then he begins to explain what the parable is all about. But I love the fact that he says, to you it was given to know. He didn't say you had to work for it. It was given. It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? You receive it. You accept it. You make it your own. It's a grace to be in the know. Because you didn't have to work into that position. Like I said, God and uh, Jesus and the Father are having a conversation, but they're not quiet about it. They're speaking loud enough for you to hear, and then you can ask your questions. God's not afraid of the questions that you're going to ask. He has the answers to them. He wants you to ask. Because the more you ask, the more you find yourself knowing you find you know the answer to what God has, uh, what he's put in your heart. Now, it's been given. It's a grace. But that word to know is the Greek word genosko. It's where, it's a very intimate knowing. It's a deep revelation of someone. It's the same word that's used for a husband and a wife. Okay? When they're intimate with one another. It's that kind of knowledge. That you know somebody so deeply that you cannot help but produce something out of it. When a husband and a wife are intimate, the baby is uh, conceived and it grows in the womb. And the manifestation of it will happen nine months later. For me, the manifestation is not all that far away. It's just a couple of weeks. Praise God. Okay? But God wants us to know. He wants us to have an experience. It's not enough for him just for us to have head knowledge. But he wants us to have heart knowledge. And that heart knowledge is birthed out of experiences with him. Because the more experiences that you have with him, the deeper your knowledge of him grows. And that's what he wants for us. In John 17, 3, in the Amplified Bible, and this is talking about life, Because you live out this knowledge. You live out this intimacy. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah whom you have sent. I love how... It states here, Jesus as the Christ. He didn't just say Jesus, the man who walks on the earth. 
He's talking about Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, the glorified one. Because this, in John 17, Jesus is having a conversation with the Father. And he lets us in on what they're talking about. And I encourage you to read it. We're not going to go through uh, John 17. But it's a very intimate conversation. Jesus is sharing his very heart with the Father. And as he's sharing his heart with the Father, you find that the Father's heart is also coming out as Jesus speaks. Because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And so whatever he said and whatever he did, he did it as an example of who the Father is. So you have him here knowing the, saying that you, this is what life is, to know. You grow in your knowledge. You know, every Sunday you come and you hear the word, and I pray that it's going down deep into your heart, but every Sunday something new is added. There is a depth that is being added to you. Why? The deeper you go, the higher you'll fly. And God wants to take you to such heights as such you've never seen. You've never gone that way before, but he has. And he wants you just to trust him. Now, when we were talking earlier in, about Mark 4, there's a mystery that God wants us to know about. Mysteries are things that are in secret, that are hidden. But God doesn't want to hide them. He wants them to be known. And what is this mystery? Colossians 1, 26 to 28 in the, mess, in the New King James says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known. I love that. I'm just going to stop there first. God's very will was to make this mystery known. That's what he wanted. His very heartbeat was this. And what was it? What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is hope? It's a confident expectation of good. If it's a confident expectation of good, you can expect that glory is good. It's good to the exponential increase. It's all that God is when he shows up. God is good. It's his nature to be good. But when he comes into, his, into a place, it's his glory that shines forth. And then everything begins to come in line. But God wants us to have a thorough knowledge of this hope that is resting on the inside of us. That's why it's not hidden. He's showing us. He wants us to know. Christ in us, that hope of glory. Now, knowledge, the Bible actually does say this. Knowledge puffs up, okay? But love edifies. In, in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 in the Amplified, and I'm just going to read a part of it. It says, yet mere knowledge causes people to be puffed up, to bear themselves loftily and be proud. What happens when pride comes in? Grace has no room to move. But it says, but love, affection and goodwill and benevolence edifies and builds up and encourages one to grow to his full stature. See, God wants you to know things because he wants you to grow in full maturity. You know, there are only certain things you can tell children. 
because they won't understand everything. But a a son or a daughter who is more mature, you can begin to give them more responsibility. You can tell them secrets. They'll know how to be able to handle things that come their way. Why? There's a trust that's being developed as they grow. Love is edifying. Love is building up. Love is strengthening that relationship. See, knowing that Christ is in you is not for us to be proud. Knowing that Christ is in us should bring us to a place that we are incredibly humble. That the God of all the universe came as a man just like you and me. And then he chose to live in us. People who are imperfect. People that make mistakes. People that mess up. And yet when he looks at us, he loves us into perfection. Into his perfection. And so the knowledge that we have is not for us to be puffed up, but it's to be able to draw other people into this place so that they may come to know for themselves who Jesus really is. That's why they read your story. And your story is a good one. You don't have to have somebody else's story. You have your own. And it is just as powerful as the person sitting next to you. Just as powerful. You don't have to have gone through all these things and heartbreaks and brokenness. You don't have to. You can learn from other people. But your story is just as important because someone needs to hear it. And someone needs to read it. Because what do they see? The secret that's been hidden for all ages. Christ in you. And the hope that causes you to believe for all those wonderful good things is a hope that will begin to rise up in the people that read you so that they too can believe and be confident about the good things that God has in store for them. Amen. Ephesians 3, 4 to 6, 10 and 11 in the New Living Translation. Paul is speaking and he says, as you read what I have written, see, God writes on the tablet of your heart. He writes his story upon your life. But he also has the word written down on paper or on tablets. Why? So that you can run with his vision. Habakkuk says, write the vision down. Make it plain. Write them in big, bold letters. Why? So that when people see it, they can run with it. Or... In another way, run to it. Because what's written in big, bold letters? Jesus. And that's who they run to. So as, I, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations. But now, by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and his prophets. And this is God's plan. See, I love it. God's not hiding his plan from you. It's written out for all to see. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news. How many believers in the house? Okay, half the congregation. Great! Hopefully by the end of the the preaching, we'll all be believers. Who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. The riches in there are not those spiritual riches. We have a tendency to look at the word and go, oh, it's all spiritual. It begins in the spirit. 
But it needs to manifest in the natural. Why? Because people need to see what we believe is true. The world needs to see to believe. We believe and then we see. So he goes on to say both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He wants to use you. Say, God wants to use me. Do you believe that? Yes, the first four rows. How about you in the back? Do you believe it? Yes. Well, I like that. Let's be a bit more responsive, people in the back. How about the people in the middle? Yes. It's okay. There'll be something that will make you jump. But God's purpose was to use you to display his manifold or manifold wisdom. To whom? To all the unseen rulers. He's saying, devil, take a look at my children. You cannot touch them. They are blessed beyond measure. And they're going to put you under your, their feet. So get ready to be trampled on. Okay? He wants all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places to know that he is using you to display who he is to the world. And what is he doing? He's showcasing his sons. It was God's very heart from the very beginning to bring sons into glory. That's what Hebrews says. Hebrews says that he is bringing many sons to glory through Christ Jesus. Sons and daughters. And he wants, he wants you to be put on display. Now, if we're sons of glory, that means our father is glory. In Ephesians 1, 17 to 20 in the Amplified, this is Paul praying and he says, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you or give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, of Jesus the Father of glory gives you. See, that's his heart. He gives to you the answers that you're looking for. He gives you wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom can simply be the way God thinks and how he does things. He gives you wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways. But it doesn't mean he's not going to show us how, what he, how he does things. Or how he thinks. Yes, his ways are higher than our ways. But we can ask him about his ways. And he'll tell us about his ways. He won't keep us in the dark. And then it says revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets. What's this revelation? God is bringing out into the open. So that we can see. So that we can experience for ourselves. This knowledge. This precise and correct knowledge. This truth about who Jesus is. That's what he's bringing out. Then verse 18 goes on to say, by having the eyes of our heart flooded with light. When light floods into a place, you're kind of blinded. 
But there's no form of darkness at all. There's no confusion. There's no deception. You see clearly and you know what's ahead of you when, when light floods into a place. And he does this so that you can know and understand. Understanding gives you the ability to walk it out. That's what happens. It's not just knowledge up here, but then you know what needs to be done to take the next step. And understand the hope to which he has called you. What have you been called to? The Bible says that you have been called to fellowship with his son. Another version says you have been called to partnership with his son. That's what God had all along. That's his plan all along. He wanted you to be in partnership with his son. But I love how it's not just a partnership. He's here and I'm here and we work together. God's form of partnership is putting us into one. Jesus in us, us in Christ. It's a way, in the, in the same way, a husband and wife, when they're intimate one, with one another, the Bible says that they become one flesh. In the eyes of God, husband and wife are one. In the eyes of God, Jesus and us are one. But remember, Jesus also said, Father, you and I are one. So we're not just one with Jesus, we're one with the Father. We have his heart, we have his purposes, we have his plans. Then it goes on to say, not just what he's called you to, but how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. This glorious inheritance is material. It's material wealth that's available to you, where you lack nothing, where you're not missing anything. And then it goes on to say, and so that you can know and understand What is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe? See, it wasn't enough for Jesus to just raise you to life. Your spirit comes alive. But he wants whatever is in you to go out so that people can also experience what's happening. And the power is there for you, for your benefit. But what do we use it for? For other people's benefit. We look and and see what God loves. And then then we move towards that and allow people to receive what we have. The same power that's available in us. Then it goes on to say, uh, who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You know when somebody's seated at the right hand, it's a position of authority and power. But Ephesians 2 tells us that we're seated with Christ. So as Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, so are we. Do you know that it's an easy place to say, hey, what's going on? Let me tell you what's going on. This is what my plans for you are. And you're like, you're looking at it and you're going, wow. You're in a high place and God's showing you, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm giving you. This is what's available to you. This is what you're going to walk in. This is what you're going to live out. And you're like, that's mine? Praise God, he doesn't show us everything at one go. Because I guarantee you, you'd probably freak out. But he shows us what we need to know at that moment in time so we can take that step into it. And when, he do, when we do, he shows us more. 
He'll show us more. And then you can take another step, and there's more of that scene. And then you see how your life and someone else's life intersect, and, they, and, and you, there's this partnership that's developed, and you begin to run together. And your story is more complete. People see a more complete picture of who Jesus is. You know, that there's, the Bible talks about us understanding together the depths of his love. We need to comprehend together. Why? Because you've experienced Jesus in a certain way, and I've experienced Jesus in a certain way. We get together, we talk about it, we share, and the reality of what happened in my life becomes your reality. And what happened in your life becomes my reality. There's a, bigger, there's a, a greater story now that's unfolding before our very eyes. The more that we find ourselves knowing him, the more we find out who we are. Who we are, what we have, and what we can do. Not in and of ourselves, but in him. God the Father has hidden everything we need in Christ. Everything. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, but the world celebrated Easter. How many of you have ever gone on an Easter egg hunt? The Easter bunny has hidden eggs all over the place. And you go hunting with a basket to see how many you can find. Yes? Okay. Well, God's not like that. He didn't hide one egg here by the speaker and then one all the way back uh, at the soundboard. He didn't, he didn't hide one in the life center and say, okay, there are eggs. Go hunt for them. If you don't find them, I'm sorry. God goes, hey, you want to know a secret? All the eggs are here in one basket. Everything you want is right here. As many eggs as you want. The basket, its name is Jesus. You can pick it up, take it with you, and enjoy every single egg. As you open the egg, well, generally, now we have plastic eggs, there are toys and gifts and surprises inside. You had the old ones that had nothing inside. Or you had hard-boiled eggs, which you had to eat. You were pretty smelly afterwards, I'm sure. But what I'm saying is everything you need is found in that one basket. You don't even have to go hunting for it anymore. God goes, this is the secret. Ta-da! Right here. And you're like, wow. And you pick up the basket and you enjoy it. I loved hunting for eggs because I loved the little gifts that were found inside. You open them and you play with them and you enjoy them. That's what, God is, that's what God wants, is that you open up Jesus and enjoy every moment of him because you get to know him more and more. Another way I see getting to know him is the deeper you go, the more you know. It's like layers. Okay, There's not just one layer to who God is and what we know of him. Many, many different layers. I use this example in the other service. How many of you have ever seen a picture of an iceberg? Yes, some people. It's okay. It's like a giant piece of ice. It is a giant piece of ice. But all you see is a small portion of it sticking out of the water. And I say small in comparison to what, what is underneath. Okay? For it to be able to stay that way, the bottom is so wide and so deep that you couldn't even swim underneath it. That's what it's like with God. We just don't see the top. If you're happy with just the top, that's okay. God will work with that. But there will be a desire that grows to know more. 
There's got to be more than the tip of the iceberg. And God goes, look underneath. What do you see? And you look underneath and you see layers and layers and layers. Something so deep that you have to go down deeper to be able to see all of it. That's what God is like. Another example, how many of you like the beach? Wow, the rest of you don't like the beach? I love the beach. I just don't like the sand, which is kind of sad. All right? I like the water. But how many of you are just satisfied with being at the shoreline? Some of you? Do you want to just stay at the shore the entire day? No, you don't, especially on a hot day. The thing about the shoreline is that you just don't have water. You have sand. And if you just sit there and allow the water to rush over you, you will be covered in sand. Sand in your bathing suit, and I hate that. And you're just like, and you can't stand it. You, do, you go into the water to get rid of it. But you have to go to a certain depth to get rid of the, the, the sand. If it's hot, you want to go out deeper. Why? Because the water is cooler. The deeper you go, the cooler it becomes. The deeper you go is also where you don't have to struggle or you don't have to swim. Salt water makes you buoyant. You'll float. Most people float. I know people who sink. Pastor Alvin is one of those. Okay? If he's not moving his arms, he will sink. But generally, most people float. Okay? But as you go out deeper, the water is doing the work for you. At the shoreline, you're doing all the work. Because you're trying to keep yourself steady and you're trying to keep yourself afloat. But as you go out, you let the water take you and do what needs to be done. The deeper you go in your knowledge of who Jesus is, you will find yourself going further, further out, and him leading you where you need to go. And that's the whole point. The more you know him, the more you find yourself being able to follow, allowing him to lead. And where he leads you is good. You know, a father's heart, the father of glory, his heart was, is really that we just are able to imitate him. He wants the sons excuse me, he wants the sons in on what he's doing so that the sons can do it too. Ephesians 5.1 in the Amplified says, therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. Jesus was doing that on the earth. He gave us an example why he walked on the earth of this of this scripture in John 5 19 to 20 in the new living translation it says and Jesus explained I tell you the truth the son can do nothing by himself he does only what he sees the father doing so Jesus is following copying imitating the father whatever the father does the son also does for the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. The same father that loves the son is the same father who loves you. And if it says here that the father loves the son and shows him everything that he's doing, 
God is saying, son, daughter, I love you, and I will show you everything I'm doing. We just need to keep our eyes open. We need to be able to want more of him. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. So Jesus had just come from healing someone. But yet it says the father will show him how to do even greater works. The interesting thing is Jesus ends up telling us the same thing. Later on, in John 12, he tells us, greater works will you do. Greater works will you do. See, Jesus was limited as a man on the earth. Physical body. He could only do so much. But in you and through you, each and every person in here, greater works. I asked this in the last service. How many of you want to be able to raise someone from the dead one day? Good, in this service, a lot more people. Praise God. I believe it's possible. And the more we know him, the more we'll know timings to things. I mean, I still do this in funerals, and I was sharing with somebody earlier. She goes, do you really ask God? I go, yeah. When I get there, I'm like, okay, Lord, is this the day? Is this the day you're going to ask me to raise this person from the dead? And part of me goes, please don't. I don't think I'm ready. But the more time I spend knowing him, the more bold I will become. The braver I will find myself being. You know, we give this example here of Smith Wigglesworth. And he was a man that spent time knowing his father. Spent time knowing who Jesus is. And he was able to raise a lot of people from the dead. But this particular story, he was brought to a funeral. And God told him to raise this dead body. So he tells the dead body to get up, picks it up. And slams it against the wall. The body slid down. If you were a family member, what would you think? It'd probably be more than one dead body that he would have to raise from the dead. So again, he said, I said, get up. Picked up the body, slammed it against the wall again. Nothing. Body didn't move. So he didn't give up. Because he knew what God had said. This is the day you're going to step out and do this. So he picked up the body a third time, slammed it against the wall, and the body began to cough and got up. Now, mind you, dead bodies are cleaned out inside. There are no more organs. So God didn't just raise him from the dead. He did a creative miracle. The man was alive. The same can happen for you. People are like, I don't know about that. I'll give you another example. Again, Smith Wigglesworth. Very bold man. He was doing a healing line. And I think Pastor Alvin had shared this before, but I'll share it again. So people were lining up to be healed. And this particular lady had, a st- had stomach cancer. She had a big bulge. And Smith Wigglesworth was so angry, not at her, but at the cancer. He punched her in the stomach. Okay, and she went flying. But she didn't feel any pain, and the cancer left her body. But he knew who his God was. See, knowing who your God is, being in the know, will put you at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing at the, with the right people who have the right heart. It will cause you to walk in the supernatural. 
It will cause you to do things you never thought you would do. I mean, hey, I encourage you when you get to a funeral to say, Lord, is today the day? Just ask. Just ask. Some people are like, no, 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 no. Because God might say yes. And you're like, no. The person I was talking to earlier, she goes, you know, it's good that we ask things. But I'm scared about what God will say. I said, do you believe that God is good? And she goes, yes. So I said, then what's the problem? And he go, she goes, well, he might ask me to do something crazy. I said, it probably will be. I said, but you will be ready for it when he asks you. Because you would have built up a desire for it in his presence. As, as you're hearing him more and more and more, you cannot help but desire what he wants. And as you do, you step out, step out into those things and you're like, Lord, I'm here. What are we going to do together? Now, we still do it with fear and trembling. But we still do it anyway. Because we know that God is with us. Amen. The more that we know his voice, the easier it is for us to follow him. Jesus was very, he knew the voice of the Father. He even said, I don't even speak things that I don't hear the Father say first. So the more time that we get, we spend hearing what he's saying, the easier it will be for us to follow him. The more that we hear him speak, the more you will find yourself speaking his words. Not your own. The more you see him move, the easier it will be for you to move and do what he does. It's practice. Practice makes permanent. It doesn't make perfect. But if you find yourself doing the right thing, it becomes a permanent thing. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. The more you get to know him, the easier it becomes. He shows more of himself to you. Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Bible, one of my favorite scriptures, says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. And I'm just going to stop there because I can go on and preach an entire, another new message with that. But just with that, my determined purpose is to know him. Paul determined in his heart, I want to know him more. This is Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who had revelation that none of us had ever heard about. And even today when we read it, we're like, my gosh, where did he get this from? He got it because God let him in on it. He was in the know. And he wrote it down so that we would be in the know. And he wanted to know him. He determined it. It was purposeful. You know, a lot of times, because of the, the, the distractions that are in the world, even if we purpose something, sometimes it falls through. And we feel bad and we feel condemned. God's saying, don't feel bad, don't feel condemned. Just get up and continue on. Determine. You, this is something I had preached on before, this bulldog tenacity. You're not going to give up. You're not going to let go. You are just going to keep moving forward. Even Paul says, when you re, if you continue reading, he talks about, I haven't even attained it yet. But I'm still pressing forward. My, my eye is on the goal. Who is this goal? It's Jesus. 
My determined purpose is I'm going to walk out everything that God has for me. As I get to know him, my steps are clearer. I see further ahead. I know what's coming up as I get to know him. And this revelation that's revealed to us as we get to know him shows us how things truly are. How things truly are in the kingdom of God. How he does things. The way he does things is different from the way the world does things. Complete opposites. But there's an eternal increase, abundance that comes your way when you do things his way. And when he reveals these things to you, it's so that you can live it out. So that you can walk it out. And the revelation always brings us to who Jesus is. The more that Jesus is revealed to us, the more we understand who he truly is. You know, greater, greater knowledge of who he is. Second Peter 1, 2 to 4, and I'll end very soon. It says, grace and peace have been multiplied to you Multiplied, not just added, multiplied to you. Grace, unmerited favor, peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, has been multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus, Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things. Say that with me. All things. There is nothing lacking for you. In the natural, things may be tight. But the reality is, is that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whatever you need to live out the life that God has given you, he has given you. Physically, it's available to you. I believe that with all my heart. The manifestations must come. And then it says, you also have all things that pertain to godliness. How to live life. How to live it the way he would live it is yours. Then it goes again, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these... You may be partakers of the divine nature. What's a partaker? Someone who receives. And what are you receiving? The divine nature. How do you know about this divine nature? Because you know him. He's a personal God. Jesus is a personal Jesus. When he went to the cross, he made sure that he died for you specifically. He wanted you so badly that he made sure that he died for everyone to get you. That's how personal he is. And he just wants us to know that. He wants us to know all the secrets and plans and purposes that he has. He wants you to know that he's not hiding anything from you and that he wants you to walk in everything that he has. He's not content with how your life is right now. 
Because the story that he has written is far more glorious than what you're living right now. Far more glorious. And we have yet to see it. But we need to believe him. And as we do, one step of glory to the next step of glory to the next step of glory. And he continues to let us in on what he is doing because he's decided to partner with us. And I'll end with these two scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 2, 2, Amplified. It says, For I resolve to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except the only thing that I will know is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and him crucified. For Paul, that was utmost important. For us to know. Because the more conscious you are of him, the more conscious you are of his heartbeat. The more conscious you are of his heartbeat, the greater revelation of who he is you will live out. And the greater revelation you live out, the more lives will come to know him for themselves. So in this place, I encourage you, if you know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, you know more than enough. It is the greatest revelation for you to live out. And as you live that out, people will take notice. I pray for a desire for you. A desire to know him more deeply and intimately than ever before. That really the eyes of your understanding are flooded with light. And you know so much more than you knew before. And it causes you to be bold and it causes you to be confident in who God is. But it does not bring the satisfaction that enough is enough. You will want more. You will want more. And I will pray this out over you in Colossians 1, 9 to 14. I thank you, Father, for these people. And I thank you that since the day we have heard of the new life, the fort, we have not ceased to pray for each and every person in this congregation, each and every person that is special to your heart. I ask that they may be filled, filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to your glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. May they continually give you thanks, Father, as you have qualified them to be partakers, receivers, partners of the inheritance of the saints in the light. 
I praise you that you have delivered each and every person, man, woman, and child. You've delivered them out of the power of darkness and have brought them into the kingdom of the son of your love in whom we have redemption, in whom the price was paid for us through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. I pray, Father God, that the knowledge of who you are goes down deep. Every Sunday, every day of the week, you are adding, 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 more and more of who you are into their life, that they are coming into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And the depth of that will cause them to soar higher than they've ever soared before. It will cause them to see further than they've ever seen before. It will cause them to do more than they've ever done before. And so I thank you that there is a boldness and a courage and a strength that comes upon each and every believer in this place as they get to know you and your amazing grace. May glory explode in their life. Manifestation upon manifestation of the reality of who you are tangibly for each and every one. And so I just thank you that their lives will speak and will tell of a great and awesome God who loves them so. And a God that will make sure that they know, they know his very heart for them, to them, and from them. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed. Bow down your heads. I just want to give people an opportunity in this place. People here have been confused because you didn't have Jesus. If you want to know what God has for you, then you need Jesus. And he is a gift that is presented to you today. The more you know him, the more you'll find out the good and awesome plans that God has for you. God has never wanted you to be confused. He doesn't want your life to go nowhere. He has someplace very specific for you, and that's going into glory, a future that is bright, a future that has hope. So if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to ask you to quickly raise your hand. Thank you. I see that. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you for your hand, sir. Thank you for your hand, ma'am. Thank you, sir, for your hand. Is there anybody else? Don't be shy. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young men, for raising your hand. Thank you. I'm sure that there are people in the fourth floor as well. You can put down your hands now. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. You raising your hand is you simply saying, Jesus, I do need you. It's something that you believe in your heart. The Bible says, though, what we believe will also come out of our mouth. It's a confession of what we believe. So along with the rest of the congregation, we're going to pray with you for all of you that raised your hands. And when you pray, this is what I believe. I believe Jesus will come into your heart and he will stay for all eternity. So let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you made a way for me 
to be in the know. Today, I believe that my eyes have been opened to see, my ears have been opened to hear, and my heart has been opened to receive all that you are and all that you did for me. I believe that you paid the price for my sin, past, present, and future. And today, I receive the eternal life that you offer. I know that I'm going to enjoy it. And I look forward to the days ahead where you will show me more of you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit our website at newlifebefort.com. 